Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For a free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the We Review Podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hi. We also have Bill Graham. It doesn't count towards your square footage. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can't I can't wait to talk about this movie. I've got a lot of things to say. <laughs> we also have with us today a special guest to talk about the movie Barbarian, which is out in theaters and it just hit HBO Max. And that is Jake Kringschreifels. Thank you for that pronunciation. I am very glad to be here and talking horror around Halloween. Hell yeah. This is the time to do it. Woohoo! Um I was about to say we've we've been we've been gone for a while, but most people uh, listening to this would not know that because it took us a while to release our last episode anyway. So to them, it's been like less than a week. So good All for right. you guys. Well, well done, well done, Brian. Hey, <laughs> dragging my feet and considering not releasing it at all really paid off. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Excellent. if you haven't listened to our blonde episode yet, go check it out. Um, but yeah, Jake, why don't you introduce yourself to the fans? Let them know who you are and what you do. Sure. So I, right now, I'm a senior editor at a company called Nota. It's a publication and new media company, but I am most importantly a freelance sports and culture writer and reporter. I uh, write for sites like The Ringer, GQ.com, Inside Hook, among others. And I also write reviews for the film stage. Uh, so I am a naturally big fan of the show and the website. Excellent. What's your favorite episode? Um, <laughs> gosh, that's a put on the spot question that I will refrain from answering right now. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if you said one from like real early days, like the Nick and Danny years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like that your- good. I'm not that long of a of a podcast subscriber to this yet. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, like this show has been going on way too long, so it's fine. <laughs> but anyway, super excited to have you here to talk about Barbarian, a scary movie for a spooky season. Um, this movie, uh, written and directed by Zach Krieger, one of the whitest kids you know. And no, that's not a racial insult. It's the <laughs> sketch comedy group that he was a part of. So um, it's uh, going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun time. Before we get into that, the usual stuff, you can follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Give us an email, podcast at thefilmstage.com. And of course, you give us a comment and rating on iTunes. Uh, you can also become a patron of this podcast by going to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel, where uh, the book channel has been on fire recently. With the release of Cormac McCarthy's newest novel. And um, I'm super excited to get to start reading that. So, yes. Nice. I know. It's exciting. It's a great time to be alive. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah. Go to patreon.com slash show. Give us your money. We are also brought to you by Movie, a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Movie premieres a brand new film. It could be a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. 
Either way, it's guaranteed to be a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before. And there's always something new to discover. With movie each and every day, their new film is hand-selected, so you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch. Instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. And once again, speaking of spooky season, I want to highlight The Old Dark House, an evocative title for this 1932 film. The synopsis is as such, caught in a storm whilst journeying through whales. A group of travelers take refuge in a sinister mansion inhabited by a bizarre femme family and their mute butler Morgan. The group settles in for the night, but the femme family have a few skeletons in their closet and one of them is on the loose. According to movie, no other films in Universal's 1930s cycle of monster movies could touch those directed by James Whale. Made between his two Frankenstein pictures, The Old Dark House might just be his greatest film. Funny, gripping, and oozing gothic atmosphere, it's a bracingly modern work of genre self-awareness. So if you would like to check out that or any of the other great films that are currently streaming on movie, all you gotta do is go to MU bi.com slash filmstage for your free 30-day trial. Once again, that is movie.com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. So that's that. Anything else to talk about before we get into our feature review, ladies and gentlemen? Hmm. House of the Dragon, what did you think about the finale? Uh, <laughs> okay. I've decided that I never actually liked that show. Um, I watched the whole damn thing every weekend it's tuned in i was like this is all right this is fine i will say that i don't think i've ever laughed harder at like a final scene <laughs> I know. that like oops just just like just <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to spoil it but like there's just there's no way to make that thing that happened not the funniest fucking thing that you've ever seen on television are the, has everybody here watched this show? I have, yeah. Robin, yeah, I am. Yeah. I am regrategly uh, around episode five. Okay, so we won't spoil we won't it. Say but, what it is, but Robin. But there does. is something that is funny, it, it, like unintentionally funny. It's and it's and like I'm sure, like I've listened to podcasts about it because I was curious if other people had the same problems that I did, and some of them did. I listened to uh, David Chen's cast of kings uh i listened to that when uh, game of thrones was playing and now i'm listening to it now and he like voiced a lot of my issues that i had with the season but i was just i was waiting for someone to be like holy shit like that was so funny and no one no one seems to be <laughs> on my level it it happened and i cackled like a goon in my house alone um but yeah so that's that's how i felt about it i don't know that i'm okay. coming back next season Especially after I, I started I'm, watching yeah. the first season of Game of Thrones again and was like, God, this show is so it's so much good. better. Yeah. It's just like, so, and like, I know that there was a whole thing about like the first season for budgetary reasons or whatever. And also like pad out the episodes. They were like, let's just have two characters hang out and talk about their lives. But like, that's some of the best shit. And this show, Hats of the Dragon was just like, and then this happened, and then this happened. And then 10 years later, this happened. It's like, whoa, what the fuck is happening? And I would get into arguments with people 
And I'd be like, Damon's still a piece of shit. And they're like, no, he's a great guy now. And I'm like, how did that happen? They're like, well, it's been like 17 years since. What, the wife guy that murders his wives? Yeah, I was like the dude who's killed two wives and like just is like a real piece of shit and tried to fuck his niece. And like, and they're just like, no, he's so much better now. And I was like, when did that happen? They're like, well, you know, the show jumped forward 16 years. And I was like, oh, isn't that a convenient way to make up for bad writing? And then it, you know, I'm not going to get into it anyway. So I have very strong feelings that I'm sure will be over by the end of the week. Um, I loved The Patient, though, the FX on Hulu show starring Steve Carell. Oh, everybody seems to be enjoying that. That It just ended like yesterday and it was fucking incredible. All right. Well, we've got your endorsement for that and not for House of the Dragon. Yes. So they were both 10 episodes. The Patient's episodes are only 30 minutes each. Gotcha. So that's another plus for that, in Huge my opinion. fucking plus sign, 30 minutes. Listen, I just enjoyed having a show that I could look forward to watching on a Monday every week again. And so even though, you know, it's not the most compelling show, I still craved watching House of the Dragon. I don't know why. Maybe because I think Alicent is a great character. And the fact that she was not in the finale at all was just like a total... Allison, like, I'm Team Allison. Are you Team Allison? Oh, oh, team Green. Yeah. I, okay, I team Rhaenyra, but I think Alicent is a great character. No, Rhaenyra's terrible and doesn't deserve to be queen, and I don't understand people who like her. Yeah, but Egan doesn't deserve to be king either. Oh, no, he's fucking terrible. I mean, like, the problem is that I don't think there's a single person who deserves to be a ruler in this show. Full stop. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, I mean, that's 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 a dynasty, and that's like you know hereditary, you know rulership and stuff like that. So yeah, like all yeah, of it is bullshit. They've all got hereditary male resting bitch face, <laughs> resting dick face. That feels wrong to say. Um, but yeah, they all suck. Doctor, check it out. Give the, let the dragons rule. That's what I say. All right. Big R for president. <laughs> well now that we know what uh, your feelings are about uh that show uh, we can talk about another hbo max release dun, dun, yeah dun. good good transition bravo Woo! Woo! what is it barbarian <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed barbarian is now streaming on hbo max so we waited to talk about it until we were sure that the widest amount of people could see it um, before we get into e- even our like nutshell thoughts and before I even play the trailer, this is one of those movies where I don't even know what people consider spoilers. I came into this movie knowing literally nothing about it. So before I give a synopsis, before I play a trailer, I would just love a single or maybe two word response from each of you. Should people shut this podcast off right now and see Barbarian? Let's start with our guest, Jake. Should people see Barbarian? Absolutely, 100%. All right. I'm going to assume that 100% was hyphenated. Yes. All right. Great. (laughs) Robin Barr. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Bill Graham. Do it now. All right. Well, that was three words, but that's fine. And I will say, fuck yeah. All right. So if you were coming. That was my second option. (laughs) (laughs) That was also going to be my option, but I wanted to be a lady about it. (laughs) All right. It's Robin Barr for you. Always being a lady. Let's yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throwing up the devil horns and sticking your tongue out. It's like, ah. 
Oh, Robin. That was me I, at Cypress Hill. Uh, when was that? On Monday. That's incredible. Um, if you watched The Patient, Robin, I would love yes. to know your opinion on its Jewishness. Okay. I was not expecting that show to be as inherently Jewish as it was. Uh, I would okay. say that it treats Judaism uh, with thematic importance equal to that of Catholicism to Midnight Mass. Really? Okay, that makes I, me more intrigued about the show. It, yeah, I was like walking in and I was like, oh, right, yeah, he's a psychiatrist, so he's Jewish. But then I was like, oh, this is a <laughs> fucking show shot through with questions about Judaism and faith and like his relationship to his son who's turning Orthodox. And it's just, it's great. So I'd love to hear that your thoughts interesting. on it. Yeah. They didn't push that. It's in our anyway. list. Yeah, good. Excellent. Um, and remember, 30-minute episodes. It's fucking fantastic. It's really, important. It's insane to me how excited I was when that first episode ended. And I was like, oh, my God, that was like 25 minutes long. <laughs> anyway, all right. So you have our up and down vote for Barbarian. Uh, from now on, assume that we will be talking about the movie. So uh, go see it if you haven't seen it yet. Otherwise, here is the trailer. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. What are we supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. All right, that is the opening of the trailer for Barbarian, a movie in which... A young woman uh, stumbles up to her Airbnb for the evening, only to find that it is rented by a young man, and they have a pleasant night together, and then some shit goes down. Uh, it's like, it's the best I can do. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's what happens when two people share an Airbnb, and nothing is as it seems, and fuck this house. So let's talk about it. We begin with our nutshell thoughts. Jake, what are your all-around basic high-level nutshell thoughts on the film Barbarian? Okay, well, I saw this movie in a theater, yes, which was a very good experience. Uh, I also went into it completely devoid of any information about it, which also really enhanced the experience. So <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie, I do, I do agree. Watch it, then listen to this podcast. But... I would say generally just so much fun. I think a lot of times the horror movie, right, it always gets on the spectrum of style or substance. And, you know, ideally horror movies are trying to fall somewhere at a nice middle ground, you know, not uh, not too reliant on subtext and getting bogged down by big heady ideas. Also not too reliant on just cheap thrills and scares and sound effects. And I feel like this has a really nice balance and also just completely alters uh, your perception of what a horror movie can be sometimes. Uh, there are some very unique transitions, uh, time jumps, and it just leaves you thinking and scared in a way that feels very balanced and uh, just enough to, to go out on a high thinking about it, uh, really getting creeped out by it. And, and the, the, the precise feeling of having seen something that's really fucked up. All right. Robin Barr. Yeah, gosh, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect going in. Cause I went in completely cold, 
Um, for a long time, <laughs> I don't know. Does this are we in spoiler territory? I, I don't know now. <laughs> no, not really. But like, okay, sort of. this, this is nutshell. This nutshell. This is nutshell okay. stuff. Because yeah. <laughs> because the nutshell has to do with the spoiler. But I to like aesthetics and pacing and maybe performances of the first two people. Oh God damn I it! Don't know. <laughs> um, it goes in unexpected directions that kept me incredibly glued to the screen it's an it was really in, because of the editing um because of the casting choices because of just the storytelling um i don't know the, the winding type of storytelling it it made it a much more interesting movie than your standard you know linear scare fest um and there are scary things that happen in the movie in a very traditional horror sense, but some of the scariness has more to do with like lived experience that, that you may have had in your, in your own life um, versus, you know, anything that's particularly gory. I think, um, is it Krieger? You said that that's how you pronounce it. I think so. Sure. Or okay. Um, Just call him I, I wasn't sure. So uh, Zach C, <laughs> I apparently wrote the book, um based or inspired by this book called the gift of fear i don't know if anybody here's heard of it but the gift of fear is a as a classic of just almost like psychology in some ways um and the book is about how people tend to forego their gut instinct um and end up in dangerous situations and that fear itself is part of you know listening to different stimuli that you're that you're experiencing or that's around you so that you can so that you can listen to your um you know what what your gut is telling you essentially um and that we and that we're sort of socialized to ignore those gut feelings because you know i think especially women are um you know we kind of lead into dangerous situations because you want to be nice you don't want to be seen as rude. I mean, there's all, all sorts of things. And so I think you can sort of see threads of that throughout the film, which I, I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, how, how does somebody end up in a situation sharing a house with a, with a stranger via Airbnb? Um, I mean, I'm sure there are people who have done that, but again, it's like, what are all the things that this protagonist is, is ignoring that leads them more and more down the path of, of danger. Um, so I, I, I liked that. Um, I, I, in hindsight, the background of that film um, makes a lot of sense, you know, from, from the director's point of view. So yeah, it's, it's just a really fascinating film. I think, um, and we'll talk about this. I feel like I, it went down a few notches once we actually discover the, the twist or whatever um, for me. And I'll talk about why, but overall, I mean, I, it's a movie I would definitely recommend to anybody, especially if people who, are scaredy cats because it's not a traditional, it does not move in the traditional ways as other horror movies typically do. All right. Bill Graham. 
All right. Um, I didn't know very much coming into this. I heard it was highly recommended. Um, I had seen a couple of brief snippets of trailers and things like that, as most people probably have. Um, and that was about it. So I went and, you know, it had a incredible Rotten Tomato score. Um, so all of those things combined, I was just like, all right, fuck it. Let me go give this a shot. Um, Erica's not one to uh, join me on horror movies or, you know, intense films so she was like nope I got other things to do so um, I went to go see this alone and had a hell of an experience inside the theater um, so I actually uh, turned it on earlier today um, just to kind of catch up and kind of get get the mood right and kind of uh, remember some of the things that I enjoyed so much and uh, honestly the first 15 to 20 minutes are some of the best things in this movie uh the uh director definitely understands what he's working with and all of the horror tropes and all of the things that maybe you understand about someone that looks like bill skarsgård and you know has the uh background that he has playing it and other kind of creepy people um and he definitely understands like how to embrace that and how to have fun with that um and yeah this movie is a total delight from beginning to end for me um it has some some great twists it has some clever uh camera work and things of that nature um i also really enjoyed the kind of 80s style kind of score uh that's kind of uh interlaced throughout this film um but yeah, everything everything about this fucking thing really, really works for me. So um, totally, totally enjoy it. Uh, look forward to talking with more people about this. Uh, it had like a four and a half million dollar budget and it made like over 42 million dollars in theaters so it made a shit ton of money um so yeah uh hopefully more and more people are able to access this and see it and uh i'm pretty sure it'll become kind of a a cult classic here uh not too long yeah as for me i mean i i didn't know what i was doing walking into this movie i knew it was I don't know. I knew, I knew its name was Barbarian. I knew that there was something to do with a basement. Like, I heard a lot of people being like, oh, there's a basement and there's a door. And I was like, okay, it's fun. Um, I, I, I'm not like a huge fan of horror movies. A lot of times I'm just, uh, I'm not a fan of the things that they do in order to be scary. Um, I had so much fun with this movie. It was just sitting in, in my house alone with the license to shout at my tv screen and to text a friend who i knew had seen it and wanted to know what i thought of it and just texting and being like why is this happening what is go this is the st- who are these fucking people why are they doing this it was just i wished i could have seen this in theaters and just been amongst a crowd of people who were probably like groaning and screaming and like just getting up and walking out, just being like, oh, my fucking God, like, why? There is, and I, when I was in college, like, loved The Whitest Kids You Know, and it, watching this movie, and and honestly, like, watching things like Get Out and, you know, Nope from, from Jordan Peele, who also has a background in sketch comedy, it, 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 I think that comedy and horror have a lot in common, 
because you are attempting to appeal to a primal response in a person that is involuntary. And a way to do that is through manipulation and escalation and subversion of expectations. And this movie plays on that beautifully and gets a lot of mileage off of what I would say is the energy of like a bunch of people watching like a vaudeville act because you're just like, Oh my God, don't do that. And then the person does that. And then they, <laughs> there's like another thing that they could do. That's even more obviously a terrible idea. And you're like, well, definitely don't do this. And then they do that too. And it's just, <laughs> there comes a point where it becomes funny, even though your heart is still fucking pounding and you're just like waiting for the final thing to happen. And it was just great. And I, I was talking to a friend uh, that saw it and she said like, oh, I didn't know if you were going to like it the whole way through because of like X. And I said, no, because <laughs> once you start recognizing that this is like got the same soul as a comedy and it's not, you know, realistic, it is not like attempting to be like scream or something but mm -hmm. has like a little more <laughs> a little more sauce to its reality i guess it's almost like a magical realism or something yeah exactly and so at that point it's like I was amplified like, yeah i i i told her i was like i was able to call out like three things that were going to happen but i loved it when they happened and i i always love when a movie like does that to me it feels like a really good date like when you're already at the end of the date like able to finish each other's sentences and guess like what joke is going to make someone laugh and it doesn't feel boring that you're able to predict those things and feel so comfortable it feels like you're where you belong and so that is how i felt uh throughout this movie i think it's a great point about comedy and horror being very much two sides of the same coin because there is Another aspect of that, which I'm not sure if you fully mentioned, but the idea of just timing and mm -hmm. you talk about Jordan Peele and Zach Greger, like they know that comedy sketch uh, TV shows, right? They all are about making sure that comedic timing is perfect. Same with horror in that in that way. And that's why a lot of times they are so funny. I mean, I remember earlier when I would be watching horror movies and I was not a huge horror fan growing up. But I, I think that the um, way that people helped me get into them more was to say, you know, you could just be laughing at this instead. And that helps you <laughs> kind of get over some of your fear. Because if you look, think about it, there really is so many ridiculous things in a horror movie and make there's terrible decisions being made. And it's just played for a different way, depending on the genre. <laughs> so there is that there is that sense where it can go either way sometimes in these movies. And that's why sometimes it feels like they're perfectly suited for directing these things yeah absolutely and I, like honestly like the, the the it almost there were times that it, like my laughter at this movie did feel almost like a defensive mechanism we, mm -hmm. we'll get into it i mean like that yeah. the, i would i would argue that the first scene that is like full-on a hundred percent like horror-y is the moment where i was just like this movie is fucking nuts and i'm all over it <laughs> It's, it's so good. And um yeah, I and you know, it's it's like below 2 hours long, which is also great talking about, you know, lengths of things and being pleasantly surprised and uh, all the actors are doing great work leaning into or playing against what we expect of them. And um yeah, I think I think I and well, I'll just say this, I always get nervous 
at a certain point that a movie is going to be just like too extremely gory or like unpleasant, like not scary, but just like there was there was a thing on TikTok where people were watching this movie called like Megan is Missing. And it was like they were treating it like it was an endurance test because the movie just at a certain point devolves into like, let's abuse this person really, really badly. And um, I was concerned that this movie would be that because usually when people have as strong a reaction as they seem to have to this movie, to other movies, it's because it's like, oh, it's so gross. There's gore, blah, blah, blah. This movie has some of that. But not in the way that like I was expecting. And and again, by the time it came, I think I was like, I was in it. I was involved and I knew what was happening. And it didn't feel like it was like mean or mean-spirited or, or gratuitous in a way that wasn't no not at all. gratuitous. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I was trying to explain to somebody is like, see, I'm somebody that, that enjoys gore. I'm not really into slasher movies, but I love anything that has to do with like transmogrifying, you know, body horror <laughs> stuff. So, so, you know, I, 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 I relish those things. Um, but this, but this is not exploitative, you know, it goes to certain extremes, but it doesn't go out of its way to, you know, thrash you over the head with the, the glop of human viscera. Um, but when it does go to those lengths, it's like very economical with it in a powerful way. Yeah, I'd agree. Like not not lingering shots, you know, but but it but it, when it goes for it, it goes for it. Like the, that's what I liked about it. Yeah. Okay, I think uh, let's ready? jump into spoilers. Yeah, Again. let's all go right. down the basement. Let's go down the. All right, down first let's go down. into the creepy basement, and then when the door gets locked, let's open the creepy door. And then go into the creepy hallway and look through creepy door number one. <laughs> and then find creepy door number two, which only goes down further. Oh, my God. That whole scene, the minute she is looking for the toilet paper and then sees it in the basement, I'm like, you don't need that. It's fine. Just You don't even like, need toilet paper. Get exactly. a paper towel. Right, what are you, you don't doing? fucking live here. Like, Get a tissue. <laughs> Well, I think she was trying to really look for as there's a there's a whole little montage there where she's trying to look for it and she can't find anything. <laughs> yeah, she is looking around for something. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I think I, I think I think that that there is like a 15 minute span right there or no, it's it's about maybe five or 10 minutes of time that kind of goes by that you're just like, OK, this is getting worse, but it hasn't gone off the rails yet. Right. And it's and it, th that whole sequence, though, also starts with the homeless guy, like chasing her down and like freaking her out, which we learn later is like like he's just trying to warn her. But we don't know that at that moment. We're just like, who the fuck is this guy? Like and I remember watching it and thinking he was trying to get her out of that yeah. house not like to get her he was like get out of that house like he kept yeah. saying that and i was just like what the fuck was that guy's deal like i already knew that the house is bad i knew nothing good is happening inside this house but i was just like 
what the fuck was that all about? Like, that was weird. And yeah, it just it just continues to spiral. It's funny watching this a second time. You start to realize some of the coincidences and some of the weird things that are happening in the house are because the mother creature is like literally like spying on them at night. And you're just like, oh, fuck that. Like, no. Um, You know, the amount of intelligence that the mother has is really really interesting in this because like she's smart enough to like open that door right and not lock herself i i don't know how she isn't locking herself in every other Um, fucking person on earth is locking themselves in this goddamn basement I mean, maybe she got a key. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if those fingernails, I don't know if those fingernails can, can utilize a key, but you know, whatever. Um, there, there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief. That's, that's has to happen there. But you know, I, I enjoyed thinking that like, she's just roaming this place at night and I'm just like, Oh God. Well, so there's no. a couple of things in this movie that, Again, that clue me into like how fucking off the wall this movie is allowed to be as far as I'm concerned. And one of them is like she pulls up to this bed and breakfast, bed and breakfast, this Airbnb in the dark, in the night, in the dark. And like then the guy is there already and they have like their little meet cute thing. And inside it's like, oh, I I have been in one. Meet cute. It was frightening. It. Is it for a, this is this is exactly the thing. This is Justin Long. Like, like, that's where Brian's coming from. He's like, oh, this is fun. And Robin's like, this fucking sucks. Like, right. well, none okay. of this is good. So, like, it no, 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 around the time. I like that, the movie, like, but <laughs> if that was, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying the situation. You're saying oh, the yeah, situation yeah. sucks. Yeah. From the beginning. <laughs> well, no. And, when, and Brian's he, like, ah, it's cute. Can I speak? <laughs> like when he and her are like, talking about like they're like he oh like i'm like one of the roaring lions or whatever and like then they are sharing their wine and they're like that's a cute conversation if the movie had ended then it would have been a very cute meet cute that's what a meet cute is they meet and it's cute no i i thought i thought one of them was a murderer i thought she was the villain the whole time oh okay see so you were just i was like i was willing to have no expectations um I actually completely disagree <laughs> on that, on the nice guy, meet cute thing. Cause the thing is I, the idea, well, as we talked about kind of a little bit with, uh, with Bill Skarsgård, right? So you already have this idea of Pennywise mm-hmm. and this, this is baked into him and you're already a little bit unnerved, <laughs> but the problem is that he's doing all these nice things in a situation that, you really shouldn't be in in the first place. And he recognizes, and by calling out the fact that he's this single guy inviting a single woman into this uh, house, there is already this sense of uneasiness that this could go terribly wrong for her. And so every time he does a nice thing and uh, has a bottle of wine or insists on making tea or tells her that the convention is in town and the hotels are all booked up, that he's trying to be nice, but it has this, uh, kind of disguise of like, well, maybe he's being a little bit too nice here. Mm-hmm. Right. It all comes exactly. off as incredibly sinister, but at the point, <laughs> I, I don't, I didn't realize this was going to be so controversial at the point where it becomes clear that like, he's not going to murder her and she's not going to murder him. 
and he like leaves a little note and she like smiles at it. Like clearly at that point, she's like, okay, we're friends. Great. Whatever. Yeah. Cause she ignored every instinct in her body that this was a trap. And obviously, you know, he doesn't end up being, he um, is not the trapper. That's he, like... he is not, but the point, but what I'm saying is, is like, even all those little niceties that he does still felt like a gotcha was going to come from him. Like I didn't trust it. Right. I, and I there's a whole line too, where he says, there's a lot of bad dudes out there, you know, well, God. Oh God. the best line is like when Rufy he's like, he says something about like, do you th- like, I can't even remember what it was, but it was something like, Oh, like what? Like I'm like some kind of monster. I'm like, you were literally Pennywise the clown. <laughs> and that's well, I, like, I think that's what's but so that's like the nice guy syndrome, right? Like I, I'm such I, a nice guy. Like but this one like was, <laughs> but he was like, okay, yes, he was, but that's not the point. Like, I don't, when you, but you know that from hindsight, watching the film, there was never a, a point where you, like what you're saying is that once you decided you trusted him, you trusted him. Be- I mean, so there was nothing telling you that there could have been something. In, yeah. <laughs> okay. So once he died, that's when you were like, oh, he was nice all along. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying because like, oh, I open. I didn't think I was watching a fucking Nicholas Sparks movie from the beginning. <laughs> Obviously, what <laughs> I'm saying is <laughs> that would be that would be a twist. Just like, oh, I, I, I'm just Sparks trying to figure out if you. Book. <laughs> what I'm trying to figure out is like your experience of watching it. So like what you were describing. No, so at first, maybe. I was like, he's gonna kill her. She's gonna kill him. They're both gonna die. What I assumed was happening was, and it turned out to pretty much be true. But I was watching and I was like, this feels to me like this is a situation where neither of these people should be okay with what's happening. But they have and like it's it's all false setup. Like, you know, oh, he's going to murder her. She's going to murder him or like something bad is going to happen. And then they get through a whole night together. She wakes up late, unharassed. He's gone. He left a cute note like, oh, okay, great. And at that point, I'm like, right, because neither of them is bad, but bad shit's going to happen to them. And then I was just like, this is going to be like any other movie where like, oh, like, you know, these two people hooked up and like now it's like cool. But like, uh oh, there's a masked killer or aliens invaded or I still think I still even think that note was creepy. (laughs) Yes, I thought I thought he was really weird. Oh, he's super weird, but like, I don't know. I, again, I'm. And she was like sitting there smiling, like, shut the fuck up. Like, what's wrong with you? But of course, I... there's <laughs> some backstory where she apparently is drawn to abusive relationships. Yes, yes. So... And and I think I think that's a big thing that kind of we get right from the outset that she's kind of like being chased a little bit right like Mm -hmm. she's she's being pursued by an aggressive probably ex-boyfriend or something like that so she's she we already are starting to kind of doubt her as a character in terms of her like like decision making right like a it's a stressful situation b she has already kind of shown a little bit right by like the obsessive calling and like her not wanting to and we find out later like oh like you know she just can't seem to cut it off right and 
that's when you start to kind of second guess her own decision making. And that's I think that's important groundwork to kind of lay, not to like blame Tess, but to basically be like, this is why someone in this situation might make these kind of decisions, right? Because maybe she's made bad decisions in the past and hasn't quite learned or hasn't quite like made rounded that corner. Right. And so we're like, okay, we can already second guess her decision-making and her past. Now it's her present. Okay. She's making. And for the most part, I think she's making fairly good decisions until he goes down into the basement. And from that point on terrible decisions, even before then at the, the, you don't, don't. I mean, pull she sees. Don't walk down she, the hallway. Sure, yeah. the rope is a is a weird thing, but her walking down that hallway, she's stuck. Like she's got nowhere to be. She's been in the same area with that door fucking open for like probably 10, 15, you 20 think minutes. Going deeper into no, the bowels the of thing. the house the is going to help you. The fucking basement is not that bad. Just hang Correct. out. Wait for the dude to come back. Why do no. you need to go down there? No. Or no. bust the fucking window. Like, bust the window. And yeah. you know why she doesn't? Because she's like, I'm in someone else's property. I'm going to be liable mm-hmm. if I break the window. Like, I felt that in that moment. Well, I have to- so I have to mention the fact that, well, first of all, she shouldn't have even gone in and taken his invitation to be joining him in the Airbnb. That's the, I mean, that's really, I mean, this is Agreed. a movie based on that, but that's the first no-no. But I will say this, and I think since we brought up the basement idea and the, and the window, I think what this movie does really well is give you a great geography of this house. And mm-hmm. also yeah. with the camera shifting very steadily down the hallway, you know exactly where the bathroom is, the bedroom, the kitchen. You've been in this like, Airbnb before. Like, right. And I think the, it, the it fucking that furniture, mostly. especially yeah. that fucking <laughs> empty acrylic bowl on the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, it, and I think that helps because when it cut, does cut back to the 1980s, you know exactly it's the same house. Mm-hmm. And I think as I was watching this, as especially in that opening act, you get uh, familiarized with this whole house and you start to think about how long it is and how long that hallway is. And then when she goes down the stairs and the window is in front of her geographically, it doesn't really make sense because then when she gets out of the house, the window is not, it wouldn't be with that window would be like right in the middle of the house, right? With the basement is like back in the back side of the house. It's not at the front half. I, well, I, I know don't... this is like very technical, but it felt like uh, there was something uh, extra going on there where you're, you're supposed to feel a little uneasy about the way that this house is lined up with the where the window is supposed to be. I don't know. I think that it's just a, a long staircase. I don't I don't know that it was that far back. But maybe maybe my maybe my uh, Zillow uh, research <laughs> has, like prompted me to <laughs> think about this more specifically. <laughs> You were doing like a whole like, oh, my God, the in the Overlook Hotel, there shouldn't be a goddamn window there. Well, I was doing the Justin Long tape measure thing, <laughs> which I another point when I realized that I was going to love this movie is when Justin Long sees this creepy ass room and then immediately mm-hmm. goes and Googles like can underground <laughs> secret rooms. That was such a good cut too. yes. Hilarious. Yeah. Absolutely hilarious. It's so he was fucking, so good in this movie. He's incredible like, in this movie. 
Oscar nomination for Dustin Long. Yes. He's he's perfectly cast in this movie. That's the thing, is like he's such a doofus, and you're like, oh, this this fucking guy. Like when he pulls out this tiny fucking knife and is like, Yeah, yeah, this this'll do. This'll this'll get me far. And it's like, dude, you are within striking distance of whatever you're trying to attack. Like, that's too close. Like you go try again. I just remembered what I was gonna say before everyone jumped all up and down about the meet cute comment so when she's leaving the house and realize time? that she like the first time like i said like okay okay yeah cute and she's going into the city and she is leaving a fucking post-apocalyptic area yeah her, I, I had her house is like not just the only nice looking one the only one with a front door and a roof it's like at that point you're just like I'm just going to sleep in my car. I'm just like not coming back here. I, I think why I think ever I think you got to understand that this is definitely Detroit though. Like this is Even, this is a a realistic depiction of what Detroit is going through where we have little pockets of renovation and people taking it back over because like nobody's living at any of these homes, which basically means all of this property is incredibly cheap, which for white people that have money that are like industrious, they're going to be like Cool. How much can I buy this plot? Yeah, fuck yeah. Like, I'm just going to have a row of Airbnbs. But it's not not like he's a slumlord. He has one house. I know. I know. I know. He's so fucking crazy. And it's someone talked him into this. Someone talked him into this. Her leave and just be like, huh, isn't it crazy that, like, mine is the only house that appears to have been inhabited in the Holy last shit. 30 years. What? So I'm on Zillow right now, just looking at like Detroit listings and yeah. some of these houses are $19,000. I'm telling you, let's do it, Robin, you and me, let's go in on a house together. That's, that's what I'm telling you. And Holy like, these are, bull- these are bulldoze, like bulldozer or, you know, like fixer uppers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it I mean, doesn't it doesn't matter. And so, like, wow. yeah, w- someone with with a decent amount of extra income is just like, uh, uh fuck. Like, Look, I've watched and, the show Good and Bones, clearly right? I know how this works. Like, he's also from this area as well. So he knows well, he's from four hours away from Detroit. No, no, no. Well, he didn't tell his no. parents that he was in Detroit. So they yeah. said, you should come and visit more. You know, Detroit's only oh. a four hour flight. OK, and I he calls that. up. <laughs> what's his buddy what's his and buddy? It, it, it yeah everett i think is the name and he's just like hey what's up i thought it was because his parents moved away like they went to no he was he just hadn't told them that he was back yet and they were like god that was also such a great cut too mm-hmm. when they so cut funny. to the bar yes <laughs> and ever i think so no, 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 no. when he picks up the phone and he's like well, I can't say it, but do it, he says do a it, bad F. Say no, it, say it, Robin. No. Say it. Say it. But it was it. so funny because it was so gross. It was such a broy yes. thing to do, and that was played. That his friend Everett was played by Zach Kreger, the the director. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, so the him- picture of Zach Kreger on Wikipedia is from like. 12 years ago so i was like oh my god this 26 year old directed this movie fuck him <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> i when i when i saw the um the what's the call it the, the like the picture that was on imdb which he must have changed like because a week ago 
I looked this up and I was like, I do not recognize this man. And I had to scroll deep into his pictures to figure out who he was. And then I finally found it. I was like, oh, him. I remember him. I liked him. But um, just to get back to the to the Detroit thing for a second. Oh, yes, though, please. <laughs> when she goes to the job interview and the person she's speaking with says, Brightmore, oh, you should be there. Like, not the, even, the, you make it sound. Yeah. She seems fucking terrified she's not like oh you should yeah she's like, you shouldn't be there like yeah it was, it was extra <laughs> well it was i, I imagine like, Ooh, that's not a great area it's like uh no fuck go let no just get out yeah yeah i imagine i imagine there it, it makes you wonder how much like there is a rumor about like that street and maybe that neighborhood or whatever or if it's just no like you just look at the street and you're like yeah you don't need to be in that area like you know during daytime that is a uh, i think i think when she's exiting the house for the first time that is one of the best sequences like the visual sequences where you're just like holy fuck what is going on in this neighborhood because it's transferred through time it's like it's like a twilight zone episode where it's like this man's like house for whatever reason the invisible dog fence this man installed around his house put him into a time warp and now it's 40 (laughs) years in the future after a nuclear bomb set off and it's just like yeah this is fucking nuts it's funny because Bill Skarsgård at one point is like, no, have you seen this neighborhood? I'm not going to let you just like sit in your car and like Google and like try and figure out where you're going to stay. Like, like, please. And you're like, oh, the neighborhood didn't look that bad. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. He's he's been here for a couple of days and is like, yeah, no, you're not going back outside. Like, yeah. let's lock the door and you just chill here. So. It is fascinating, though, when you think, too, we were talking about how, uh, you know, when, when um, what's her name, Tess, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. when Tess was trying to figure out uh, where to go, and, and I, I think in general, like, there's just, there's just like this feeling of, of utter uh, chaos around her when, when she walks down on the street. And like you're saying, the Detroit, the Detroit excuse was that she, there were, there were no hotels available. And so it makes me wonder how far away are they from the city? You know, would, would she have been able to get into a hotel? This is a major <laughs> Midwestern city and there was no hotels because of a medical convention. The idea of her accepting one fact from this guy, I think goes back to your point, Bill, about her maybe having some issues in the past and maybe wanting to seek kindness from someone or see kindness in somebody as much as possible to believe in somebody as much as possible. And so I think the other part for me is in addition to everything you're saying, I think rightly about her, her personality, I think that the movie is knowingly playing with horror tropes and just being like, Oh, the road's washed out. Oh, there's like no place to go. You just got to stay here. It's like, yeah. It's like the movie is aware of like the impossibility of this being her only option. And so they're just like, let's just say there's a conference and she'll accept it. It's And it, again, it's that kind of thing I love. It's the same reason why when we haven't even said like, so what happens is they go beneath the house and there's a crazy tunnel system and it's inhabited by a crazy woman who screams and destroys uh, Keith is right his name. 
Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, kidnaps her, and then uh, the guy shows up, uh, Justin Long's character, and he goes down there, and he also gets captured, and then they try to escape, and it's very difficult. Um, it, when when they get saved by the indigent dude who lives by the water tower, <laughs> and they're like, are we safe here? And he says, I've been here for 15 years, and she's never, and I just, the second he said that, I was like, this man's <laughs> literally about to die. Like, yep. yep. I just knew it. And then she slams through the wall. And I'm like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. And then she tears his arm off and beats him to death with it. <laughs> and I was just like, yep. All right. This rules. I'm in, I'm totally on board for this. It was like true Sam Jackson about to get eaten by a shark energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deep Lucy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What a sequence. Um, and yeah, I think thing. I was just like, I, I think, I think they're safe. He's saying she's never got, it's going to happen. And it did. And I yeah. love that. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, um, the creepy house. Oh, that was it. Um, one thing that I really enjoy about this film is that, yes, it, it knows the tropes that it's playing into, but really what it is doing is it keeps going through these kind of heightened areas and then kind of coming back down heightened areas and then coming back down Mm -hmm. to the point where you start to feel like the first 20 minutes you're like oh fuck this like this is just a bad bad situation and then you're right brian that like when he starts like revealing uh bill skarsgård when he starts to revealing that he he actually does know like what kind of documentary she's she's talking about and like reveals that he's like one of this collective that like help revitalize some of the area and like is part of like an artist collective and she's like oh shit and like then there becomes a genuine connection the issue is that we we are always kind of second guessing what it Mm -hmm. is going to happen and it it never really lets you off the hook even when it fully embraces something you're still like i just don't trust this movie a because every 30 minutes or so it keeps shifting and and warping right like i i clocked it today um it was the first 40 minutes before justin long is introduced in that smash cut and you're like what like you can't just pull away and then play happy music and like then you're (laughs) with justin long driving down the pacific coast highway and you're like what the fuck is this movie and i love that it is smart enough to keep kind of when when he is attacked and she uh comes up to him and is like be quiet and then it smash cuts again to the 1970s or whatever. 1980s. And you're like, 1980s. Um, Wait, and you're like, ho- I was thinking it was the 70s, Robin. No, it's, no, 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 it, it, it talks it about has, there's Reagan on, yeah. the, uh, on the radio dial. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you, you keep kind of jumping around in time. And I think one of the clever things about that is that it knows it cannot overstay its welcome, right? This movie is like a lean, like 148, 149. Mm-hmm. And it knows Less that it's that. got it's like 142, I think. 
107 minutes is its listed running time on uh, Wiki. Um, but um, yeah, it, it knows that it can't overstay its welcome. And it knows it doesn't have enough to really kind of like this could have been easy a two hour movie. And it's so smart that it keeps kind of shifting and changing and giving you enough information that you're like, oh, okay, I think I know what's going on. And just when you get a hold of it, it shifts and it changes and you're like, Oh shit, what is, what's going on now? And I think that's, that's some of the smartest things that is happening in this film is that it keeps doing that not to like try and get away with something, but to just like give the audience a little bit of a break and kind of, yeah, it's the way it relieves tension is, is brilliant. Yeah, and and it does that with like a wink and a nod. Like, okay, audience, I know you expected this to just like keep ratcheting up for the next hour. No, we're gonna we're gonna twist it. We're gonna change it. Now here's this goofy motherfucker who doesn't know. Like, he is he is the quintessential like he comes into this house and I remember watching it just, just a little bit ago and he comes into this house and he's just looking around and he's like, there's fucking stuff here. Like what the fuck? And you're just like, yeah, dude, what the fuck? And he, it's not clicking for him at all. Cause he's, he's like the prototypical white dude. Who's just like, Oh, I'm going to like, I'm fine. Like whatever's happening here. I'm fine. Like, well, no, like what everyone's <laughs> goddamn reaction. Everything is. She's like, Oh, there's a creepy, the hallway in the basement. And then continues to go and continues to go and then sees the room and like, <laughs> runs away. And then I would, she tells I another would say, guy yeah. about, oh my God, there's like a room and it's got a bed and there's a camera and a bucket. And he's like, that sounds normal to me. I'm just going to go down and check it out. And she's like, no. That basement was still too clean. Can we just talk about how too clean it was, even with the grossness around it? Like considering how many videotapes there were in the room. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, don't. I I'm... Well, I was going to say to Bill's point, I feel as though there's a difference in the way that Tess approaches this and then with AJ, because Tess Tess goes down there. She has to create all these contraptions. She has to put the mirror up so she can shine a light down the first hallway. And she goes into this torture chamber and is is utterly grossed out and freaked out. AJ, like, like you're mentioning, though, completely oblivious to the fact that this could be a scary movie at all. And I think that's what's interesting is that he walks into a scary movie, not realizing that he's in a haunted house now. And yeah, well, he's in his own scary movie. I mean, in his own mind, a lot of other shit going on. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. He he like moves the bed immediately so he can get an angle. So his like (laughs) tape measure can like fit into the corner and is not like disturbed at it by it at all. But at one point he like bumps into the bed and he's like, ah, gross. And you're just like, like, (laughs) is nothing here like setting off alarm bells at all? And he's just like, nah, this is fucking it's weird, but it's like it's fine everybody like, is I'm, ignoring their fear instinct in this movie it's a it's a i i just i don't trove of red flags also, i just don't agree i just don't agree with that i i think i think there is i understand where you're coming from robin like it, 
but I feel like Tess, I think, I think me and Jake are kind of on the same page here. I feel like Tess is dealing with this in a fairly responsible way. And she just keeps setting up situations to kind of help her get over this next hurdle. And it's like, you know, she, she looks down that hallway and she's like, absolutely not. I'm not going down that new door. But once she spends 15 minutes down there, she's like, okay, nothing's jumped out. Nothing's happened. Let me shine a light down there. And let me like figure out if this is actually a, a way out. Like, Especially when she sees that doorknob, she's like, oh, oh, okay, what's what's that doorknob too? And then, yes, rightly so, when she it's sees Bluebeard, like, what do you think you're going to walk in on? No, smash the window and get out. She's yeah, ignoring yeah, her instincts, it's so literally. Fucking dumb. And that's like what makes it fun is that it's obviously there's a there's a point in there's a point in 28 days later. Where Killian Murphy says, it's a shit idea. You know how I know? Because it's really obviously a shit idea. Um, And then in the movie, the character he's talking to does the shit idea anyway. And that's like this entire movie. It's just like, no one's reaction upon finding a secret door should be, I'm gonna go in there. And yet, and yet, everyone decides to do that. Like, I, if I'm in an unknown house and I find a secret door... My new objective is to get the fuck out of there. I don't, I don't, <laughs> it's just the strangest goddamn thing. Well, um, and I think, I think to that point, uh, Bill, but you were talking about going, going down and, and not having the sense of uh, uh, like almost camaraderie with, with this other person in this room, like Bill and, and Georgina, right. Uh, and, Keith and Tess. I, I I don't know which to refer them to at this point. Now, uh, let's, let's say Keith and Tess. <laughs> Keith and Tess. When 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 Tess asked Keith to go down there, the idea that Keith would just go down without without a first approaching, going back. Hey, okay, I see what you're. I see what you're looking at. He, you want to stand by the door here? Like he didn't the, even. Ask, she didn't ask him to go down. He's like, I'm going to go no. check it out, and she's like, No, yeah. let's fucking leave. And he's like, No, just like stay here and make sure the door doesn't close on me. And then, and then, and then she fucking goes down the stairs and the door almost closes on them. It's so dumb. It's so fucking crazy. But again, it's dumb in a great way. It's done in an extremely entertaining way to watch. Uh, the I mean, end, I, we all agree. <laughs> Kate Bosworth was in this movie? What? Yep. Yeah, he he's he clearly pulled a lot of a lot of strings to get some of these actors on uh, board with this. Uh, yeah, I don't. First of all, her name is Melissa. These are minor, movie, and I don't. These know. are minor, minor characters. I think she was um, on the phone. I was she, she the one? AJ, that... AJ's PR team or something? Oh. There's uh, Sarah Paxton is also in this. Who is she? Like no, literally, <laughs> who is is she? A, is she an actress? Yes, she's Bill Paxton's daughter. Oh, that's good for her. Um, she's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, oh, she was in Blonde. Oh, she's married to Zach Kreger. <laughs> oh, she. All right, cool. Um, so that explains that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, she was in the Innkeepers. She's been in like one of these shark movies. Shark yeah, Night. Shark Night. Yeah, Last House on the Left. The Boys yeah. of Abu Ghraib. What the. F- is that okay. a porno? I don't know. I'm going to click on it. 
Oh, cheap thrills. Yeah, that one's that one's fun. An American um, soldier deployed okay. at Abu Ghraib finds himself behind the walls of the infamous hard site where he develops a secret friendship with an Iraqi detainee. This sounds fucking not great. <laughs> I can't imagine um, this is a well-made, delicately depicted movie. Okay, uh, back to this movie. Um, now, let's talk about the boys of Abu Ghraib again. Um, no, I already saw that fucking card counter movie that was enough for me <laughs> that movie rules um, that movie sucked so hard movie's great uh Horrible. what was i gonna say so anyway this movie uh has a lot going on uh we've got a bunch of stupid people not following their fear instinct as robin keeps pointing out um and then uh we we have a, a little cutaway where we find out that the reason all this craziness is going on is because basically leonard lake lived in this house and he is still alive and he is still living underneath it and the the crazy person killing everyone is his his daughter wife. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, oh, I, I, I think go I, to the wife point, I would say victim. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is this is several generations removed from from probably yeah Which one of his victims. Like, uh, I don't know. I okay. So here's where what? the movie kind of lost it for me. Okay. Which is, I get the magical realism aspect of this, you know, the supernatural villain, but the, the, but the origins in real life horrors, it's just a trope that we actually see quite a bit. And that made me a little, um, like for all of the, the clever things that the movie does, I think relying on the trope of like the spawn or progeny of rape being a literal monster just... Yeah, like I just feel like I've seen it a lot, and it's yeah. But I would argue that the uh, I, like the the like the, the how many times have I have to see it gets a lot more of a sympathetic treatment than like AJ does. Yes, I mean I I get that, but she's still a literal monster who's trying to breastfeed adults because she doesn't know any better. And also, I don't I didn't love the acting of the mother character. Like, uh, not to be so like. Mm. not to be so into like the gender binary but it was like very obvious that she was played by a man and i don't think the performance like really would she know how to be uh, would she know how to be a woman no it's not even about man versus woman i'm just saying like visually like you could just tell i mean for me and also the the i don't know something about the sound design of the voice like it it just struck me as this this character is not being played by a by a female actor and again does that matter like you know i don't know we we are in an age where like gen gender casting can be fluid and, and all that stuff so it's not i'm not making commentary about like wow she wasn't feminine it's just that something about her didn't about it, get canceled no, it's just it like it something just didn't something took me out of the movie because of it. Like it well, it, it just I, I, strayed I, I, I from I might interject here and just say I feel I I I really understand that sentiment. And I think it's weird because there there seems to be a we uh, uh an invasion of giant scary naked moms in movies of like horror movies in the last mm-hmm. few years. And like breastfeeding after a certain age, you know, is is also a talking about trope of the, exactly like it it works it works for a reason because it's horrifying. But I was also part of me was just like, oh yeah, like 
I thought the monster was going to be something a little more unique. And we just get back to rape baby is evil. Yeah, <sighs> I, I think you can. I mean, I don't I don't really know exactly where this this trope started. I mean, obviously, you could you could maybe at least for for the time being start with The Shining. And then maybe go like I, I know in the last few years, Suspiria, you had uh, the, the brief scene in It Chapter Two. Mm-hmm, uh, exactly. Which, which trope are we talking about? The trope of like the nude elderly lady. Oh, being okay. I a thought we were talking about fright. rape, the children of rape again. And I was no, like, there's I multiple. There's there's multiple tropes being reiterated here. Yeah. Um, uh, so like Har, I mean, Har actually has one too, by the way, which is uh, maybe not a spoiler, but it's, it is a funny little. Uh, what does? Uh, tar. <laughs> Even though it's not necessarily. Tar has a scary naked woman. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. I have not seen this movie, so I am unaware. Um, that is also, I mean, I, even though it is a drama and, a, and a, a psychological thriller, there are some horror elements to it that I actually really enjoyed, but we'll talk about Tar at a later point. I'll just say that like the, the, the as, again, talking about like this movie leaning into horror tropes, the, the inbred murderous creature is a well-worn horror trope going back to like the 1600s and the Sawney Bean family. Uh, which you know kind of can you uh, educate the ignorant here oh god all right i'm gonna, Me, the I'm ignorant. gonna look this up so sonny bean uh was it's like kind of apocryphal 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 but it was the is so yeah i looked it up just to be sure i was right it was the 16th century um so the sonny bean family was like this this like highwayman brigand clan Mm-hmm. Um, that like, it was apparently like a bunch of murderous cannibals. And so like, according to, I mean, like the thing about this is it was so long ago and it's, it like could just be a story, but you know, that still plays into horror tropes if it was not real. Um, but like, according to the Wikipedia entry, uh, murdered and cannibalized over a thousand people in 25 years. That feels like a lot. That just feels. And they were inbred. So like yeah, basically, I mean the the legend can be whatever you want because uh it's a it's a fucking legend and there's not a lot to back it up. Uh, they were apparently destroyed by a party that was sent by King James the sixth, um, and there's not you know anything to really back it up. But yeah, when the ways I've heard of it is that like it's him and his like wife, and then they go out and they have a bunch of kids and they murder a bunch of people and you know like. If you're a little insular family like that, of course you're going to start to interbreed. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's like how that whole thing like began. It's a it's a really fucking disturbing story. People are have been making up crazy shit for the longest ass time. Yeah, and I think if you watch this movie, you'll you'll also feel shades of like the Joseph Fritzl case. If people remember that, it's uh, there was a man in Austria who kidnapped his own daughter when she tried to run away from home and then convinced his wife that had, that the daughter had just, you know, run, been a runaway and then kept his daughter in the basement where the family, where he and his wife were living and raped his daughter. And she gave birth to like seven kids who literally never saw sunlight until they were well into their teens. And I mean, it was just a horrifying case. I mean, totally well, I mean, you, you've traumatic. got like, the Ariel Castro stuff. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. people yeah. kidnap people, and then I mean, like, so the the thing that the JC Duggar, the have you ever heard of the Colt Clan from Australia? Uh, what C O L T or U L T? Yeah, the Colt, the C O L T 
Colt clan from Australia. So um, Colt clan incest case. Wow, that's not awesome. So they're basically you don't want your Wikipedia entry to be titled the Colt clan incest case. But it it is a family of God. I hate saying this because it's so tropey. But like there were four generations of people who just kept inbreeding in their family, and there's like tons. There was lots of rape and violence and um, just horrors within this with when this within this family community. So, you know, there are um you feel those yeah, I, I think real life think influences the, in the film. Perversion and degradation think, through interbreeding is um or intra. I, I can't I think it would be intra breeding. Anyway, incest is mm-hmm. well worn in our society. I mean the Hills Have Eyes was I think mm-hmm. I think Wes Craven even said he was inspired by the tale of Sonny Bean for that. Um and then like the scariest X-Files episode ever, Home, yeah. had the same fucking thing. That episode ruined my childhood. And I still sometimes hear that song that played in that episode, like out in the world. Like if I'm at a gas station or something and I have flashbacks. That episode really put some deep scars in me. Um and then what was I, I going to say? I would this 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 movie also again it has like a a real connection to like the Leonard Lake and Charles Ng case, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, Leonard Lake was a psychopath who created an underground bunker system in an effort to like kidnap women and turn them into a uh, like off the shelf sex slave lover situation. Um, so it's yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, you know it's all real stuff that's happened before. This is obviously a movie version of it, but it's a uh, you know it's there and it's it it's cliched and kind of a uh, tropey for a reason. And I'm I'm fine with it in this particular case. Yeah, I, I don't think we have to convince Robin that like just because it's a tropey doesn't mean that it's bad. Um, I think. You know, there's three of us that have don't seem to have any issue with this kind of aspect, and Robin does. But yeah, I just you know, hadn't realized that, that how is many different. Uh, naked ass old ladies there were scaring people in movies. I have a group yeah. chat with a couple of friends called Giant Scary Moms, just because we've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> is one of them the? Uh, well, who was that? The the Resident Evil person who everyone was uh, fetishizing. What? Oh, you're talking about the tall lady? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the mistress. (laughs) Yeah, the mistress. Yeah, yeah. No, it it, it was in the latest Resident Evil movie. And yes, she's apparently like, or yeah, uh, game. And she's like eight and a half feet tall. uh, And people were like, step on me. And yeah, yeah. this one, everyone suddenly realized they had a giantess fetish. Lady Dimitrescu. There's even yeah. one in uh, in Smile, the the other new horror movie. Uh, there, I mean, it's 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 not necessarily uh, a realistic thing, but it it still takes place. Is that a uh, good movie? I've, I I I, I enjoyed it. I didn't. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as Barbarian. But it, I'm just I, like it, that's like Barbarian. I like not heard of, and then I was like, oh, this like small horror movie that like seems kind of artsy or knowing is like great but like i saw trailers for smile and i was like well that's gonna be another piece of fucking shit right and then instead it's making like 400 billion dollars and everyone's talking about how good it is and i'm like the movie about like what if a smile was bad is good this is incredible 
Yeah, I, mean, some, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Some, some of the some of the dumbest, you know, concepts are, you know, when executed well, actually end up being pretty good. I'll, I'll maintain that I will always be a fan of whatever. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but he did Oculus and he did uh, all of these horror uh, shows on Netflix. Um, the oh, one Mike that you Flanagan? like. Yeah, Mike Flanagan. Um, Oculus is a dumb, 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 dumb premise of a movie that there's a haunted mirror. And you're just like, that. that's dumb. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> this is actually pretty good. And yeah, uh, I guess Smile is another one of those where it's just like, on paper, you're just like, no, that sounds dumb. This is all stupid. And then I guess you watch the execution of it and you're like, oh. Okay, well, this is why a director is a director. Um, they can elevate material. Seeing smile. Um, I, I wanted but, to bring up like just some random like tidbits from this movie that I found really enjoyable. Do it. That sure. Very like small little details that I thought <laughs> just kind of make the little accents that they're kind of the icing on the cake in in some respects. The uh, perfect way that this is almost like a Stan Smith ad <laughs> because Tessa has Stan Smith that the camera seems to always be right at her shoe, shoe uh, eye line in some way. <laughs> mm, okay, um, yeah. It's a great ad. Uh, also, when Bill Skarsgård is making a bedspread and looks like a ghost for a second, that was kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I also appreciated uh, the fact that uh, AJ has to put on his pink button-down shirt to go down into the basement as like his like form of armor. <laughs> yeah, man. How is he going to cover up that paring knife that he's got? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I am. Um, uh, God. Like. So my friend thought that I would hate this movie because the the mother kept not dying. Um, mm -hmm. and that's what I was telling her. Like, no. By that point, I knew what the movie was doing, and I expected this woman to live forever. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like. So when when fucking AJ throws Tess off the water tower, what what a dick, man! <laughs> God, what a piece of shit! And then he goes down, and she's alive, and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm sorry, like I don't even know what's happening." In fact, I think you were slipping already. I don't even think I did it. And he like convinces himself that it's fine, and then he's like, "All right, I'm gonna help you." And I was like, "That fucking crazy old lady better still be alive to murder this dude." And then she Just does. Just after she, after she was already shot by him. Right after he fucking shot her, it's he's such a piece of shit, and he even has like the 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 moment in a movie where that would usually be like his turning around point, where he's like, I don't know if I'm a bad person, but like yeah. I really did it, and like then they have to run away, and he's like, fucking run, I'm not helping you, like hurry. <laughs> yeah, my I want to point out that the mother is not that old; she's only like in her 40s what do you right. mean she is right. oh, you kept saying oh, like you oh, keep calling oh. her the old lady but she's not sure. she was born in the 80s sure 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 well i mean if i'm old then so is she no but she's not elderly she's just no, i didn't call her elderly deformed <laughs> <laughs> no you called her the old lady but I mean, I well, think y'all have yeah, like, been doing no, that. Y'all have been doing you. You started that, Robin. You were like the old lady yeah, naked you, trope. Ever since you brought up the woman from Sh the shot. No, because we were talking about the trope. I did not say that she was fulfilling. Well, why would we talk about the trope if we? I didn't bring up the trope. 
are guested. I would say they're all generally of a similar piece. Now, you could argue over the age stuff, but the the concept of the ghoulish motherly figure, yeah, you know, there's some leeway there. Right? You're only as old I, as I, you I feel, think... and I would argue that that woman probably feels pretty fucking old. Yes, that's what I was gonna get to. Yeah. Those are those are some hard quibbling age. <laughs> no, I mean, if anything, she's rather childlike, right? She acts like a six year old playing with a doll. Yeah, it's very um, sad. There's a lot of empathy in there. So one of the most compelling sequences of of the film was when we see the the flashback to you know the early 1980s, and we're watching the. Uh, you know, villain of the film sort of go about his day. And I, even though it was very scary to sort of watch him do the kill bill and not kill bill, the, um, the silence of the lambs thing where he just like stalks a woman and pretends to be a, a helper to, you know, go into her house, et cetera. Like that was very scary, but I, th- I found the sequence of him walking around the grocery store, buying supplies for the impending home birth of the mother to be much more disturbing, especially because the, that grocery store clerk is like helping him. She's like, you need gloves and you need like something to put down for all the viscera and you need, <laughs> I mean, she'd obviously, it was just well, like, so I, here's a, lady, here's a you don't even know what's happening. I know. Well, first of all, if I worked in a grocery store and someone was like, Hey, I'm got a baby coming home birth. And I'd be like, motherfucker, go to the goddamn hospital. Like, don't come. I know. Was 1916? Well, that's what I thought it was the 60s. Because to me, like, that makes sense. I didn't realize in the 80s you could just wander into a, a home goods and say, I'm having a home birth. Give me the plastic sheets. Um, <laughs> and hey, Robin, that's why it was so clean. He had fucking plastic sheets. <laughs> True. Yeah. Anyway, Very good point. Uh, did, anybody <laughs> that, did anybody notice in that section just the way the camera is working where it almost felt like you were watching a video game. Yeah, uh, it was like... Yeah, I very, really like the cinematography of that. Very, like, mounted to him, almost fisheye Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was really... It, it, it had... To me, it was like an old-school video kind of thing. Yeah, so, or yeah. it had, like, almost a dreamlike quality as well. Um, what was I going to say? So, so... And that actor, um, I believe he played the Night King. Oh, really? Richard Brake... Mm. So it all goes back to Game of Thrones. You're welcome, HBO. Yes, Night King, fourth and fifth season of Game of Thrones. Cool. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, so, 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 so he. So this was the this the the mother character was the first child of his, right? No, I think she's the last of his. Okay, so that's weird though, because like. Okay, well, I guess I guess he just needed the supplies. He knew how to do the home birth. He just was like, uh. The, so the how whole long explanation do you think he's been doing this for? Well, exactly. The whole explanation of how she's like probably his great great granddaughter or great or granddaughter, but also his daughter. Something about the timeline didn't quite make sense to me. Like this is again why I thought it was the sixties. Exactly. Like, but again, she's you're, I think you're supposed to believe that she's like the last of her kind or something, but it all just like the, I mean, I'm trying to think like, if you think about the logic of it, he's probably in his late forties, uh, in the sequence when you see him as a younger man. Hmm. So he's probably only 80 something or 90 in the present day when we see him, 
but like literally uh, unless he keeps impregnating like girls just at their men arc who are also his daughters in a craster like situation going back to game of thrones it, I, I just, I don't know if like literally the chronology makes sense to me, but maybe, you know, it doesn't have to. It might not have. Yeah. To. It just falls apart for think. me toward the end. That's what I'm saying is like, it, like the, once we get into the explanation of who the monster is, it's creepy, but it also, it reaches so far into the stratosphere that the movie loses me a little bit. That's fair. Mm. I think, general, I think there's in general some some half-baked uh, subtext here. And I, mm-hmm. and I think some, some things work better than others. For instance, I think yeah. that, that this works better as a Me Too movie than it does perhaps as a, uh, I don't know, I, I guess socioeconomic movie about housing or yeah. a movie about race with, when it comes to the police officers. I think that was a scene that was interesting that we haven't discussed yet, but the idea of these police officers not caring about this neighborhood, not believing this person. I, I felt more that it was a plot-based thing just to show you that they're, they were living in a real world scenario as opposed to it having a little bit more metaphorical uh, muster to it in some mm-hmm. way. But I, I think generally the, the, the real like prime alley was, was the me too stuff. And I think that's mm-hmm. and AJ is, is, is kind of the focus. I feel like it, it has more of a, a centered approach to kind of the messaging here. Well, what are some other, okay. When we say me too, we're specifically talking about women who come forward with their stories and then the men in their life get quote unquote canceled. Cause that's I what I think of they don't get believed that they get punished. Cause like fucking Keith, she like comes up and is like, there's a creepy ass room and it's clearly a rape dungeon. And he's like, Oh, I want to see it. Like, it's not that I don't believe you. It's just everything you're saying doesn't sound that bad. And it's just like, I don't know if someone's having that emotional response, like maybe just fucking believe them and get out of the goddamn house. You fucking idiot. <laughs> like, but he also doesn't know her. Like it, I, I kept if trying I, to think from someone, his point of view, I would be like, "This is fucking insane!" Like I have to get away from this person because she's crazy. Literally a week ago, a woman appeared to a group of people with a collar around her neck, screaming about how she'd been abducted and just escaped from someone, and she led the police to a person who was probably a serial killer. Like those people didn't know her from fucking Eve and they still listened to her. You know, he had more of a reason to listen to this woman than those people would have had to have listened to her. But if somebody that you didn't know in a very creepy circumstance, like you both, you know, for all he knew, she wormed her way into the house uh, and, and gave some false story about uh, booking the same Airbnb. Cause I believe she checked. But isn't that his a reason no she showed him her her thing as well but isn't that more of a reason okay, to I just believe her and leave the fucking house it. like right i yeah. kept thinking of it like like why is he being like this but honestly i would have probably been the same no absolutely if someone if if i'm in an airbnb with someone okay the they, thing is <laughs> i've also known schizophrenics <laughs> and, and i just, okay <laughs> no i don't know like there's just like a pair of my I, I don't I don't Robin, think I don't think y'all are right now. <laughs> I, I don't what? think I'm being a cop. <laughs> you're being a real I don't one think... of the cops from Barbarian right now. 
Maybe. I don't think. I don't think y'all are gonna. Robin, speak. Thank you. I just can see from the point of view where your your hackles get raised or your his fear instincts start getting raised when he sees somebody kind of ranting and raving about something that doesn't seem logical because he hasn't experienced it. So and and maybe that's my that's maybe my personal response because I've known fabulists because I've known people with psychosis where there's something that automatically when somebody is starting to behave in that manner I immediately want to put distance between me and the person instead of going along with what could potentially be their fantasy or something like that. I, I, I guess, but my response to that would still be the, the, the way to get the most distance is to leave the house and not go down the basement. Jake, do you have like, I agree with you of that. Well, I I feel as though the idea that we're talking about maybe even mental health in this case, I I think there's a, a line with, with, with her where she looks obviously like a crazy person, right? In the context of this daylight and this in the street. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, you know, the, this movie, I don't think of this movie is, is um, long enough or <laughs> cares enough to really dive into the idea of what kinds of people need mental health services versus need policing, right? And what people uh, should be believed in these circumstances. And there's, I mean, I feel like there's a lot to unpack just in that brief interaction that they have, that they can't trust a woman, they can't trust a black person, that they can't trust a woman who seems uh, out of her mind. There's all these things kind of boiling. Just a dirty person, essentially. Right. And also the fact that you're in this part of town that literally nobody goes to, they're getting a call to go somewhere else. They're ready to hightail it out of there. Um, there's, there's a lot to unpack there that the movie doesn't, I don't think really ever re-explore, but I, I do think that it, it, there, there's enough of a nudge to say like, there is uh, a lot of economic injustice. There's a lot of social injustice happening with respect to the way we police neighborhoods, the way that certain areas, the broken glass, uh, theory, right. And kind of the way that uh, we commute, have communities around, uh, these kinds of places, there's a reason that there's white flight, right? Which is kind of the the, the main point of the 1980s and showing this yeah. guy who's getting rid of his house. And so that I think um, is an interesting concept that the movie doesn't fully dive into as much as, as I think it is more excited to dive into the creepiness of just male human behavior with respect to the, I, you know, me too movement. If, if you, if you want to use a broader brush there. And so I think that's that's the that's the only issue that I found with it was it just didn't have uh, enough time with with some of these other ideas that it's bringing out. But I think it's important at least that it, it's trying to reckon with those things because if you create a, a time and place like like it does, you do have to acknowledge some of these other issues that are happening, and that it wouldn't just be this magically realistic place as we were talking about. Yeah, I think the movie thinks of itself as a quote unquote Me Too movie. Um, it's almost a little bit on the nose about it. Mm-hmm. If it's, if that is the, the general theme, cause I, I know Craig, you know, he, he says that he wrote this film to be a, a response to the gift of fear, which is actually kind of an older book. It's probably like 30 years old. Um, and it's very much about how it's it, like I mentioned before, it's, it's about basically the ways women are socialized to ignore their instincts about, or the red flags about other people. But I wouldn't, but I wouldn't conflate the, the concept of 
Me Too with all instances of sexual violence or assault or not being believed. Like, I think we tend to use that phrase to kind of encompass everything when I think, in fact, Me Too really, really wants to take a lens to the hidden ways that people can be abused or harassed, like, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not just the hidden ways, but like the ways that are so um, embedded in our culture and, and threaded into our culture that we almost don't even see it like, like jokes or, you know, sexual harassment or whatever. And obviously rape is part of that, but I think I don't want to, I don't want to confuse the, everyday experiences of most women with what happens to the, I don't even know what that guy's called the father. I I don't want to confuse that with what, what the father has done, because that is, that is an extreme example. And yeah, I, yeah, I I think that Frank doesn't quite fall within the me too lens that is, he is much more just openly fucking evil. Um, but I you think didn't that- mention the, you did mention the the uh, the idea of the nice guy there. I think earlier, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it did remind me also because promising young woman has very intentional casting as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adam yes. Brody, Mr. Men's Plus, but that idea of even just saying, you know, I wanted you to be in the kitchen so you could see me taking the wine out uh, and not having poured it yet because I know you might be suspicious, mm-hmm. like. It's it's almost this this now the, this uh, male self awareness, even though it, it it you're 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 trying to say the right thing, mm-hmm. you're coming off, but it still comes off, off as manipulative. <laughs> right, right, as though you 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 know exactly what she's expecting, thinking, etc. And I think that's well, like the there's, idea. Yeah. The, there's no like red flag more red and more flaggy than a hashtag male feminist. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, I, I, think the, I think one of the things that's really funny is the uh, I was talking with a friend uh, about this film a couple of weeks ago. And um, one of the things that I was remarking to him was the idea that these booking like services, if you both booked within milliseconds of each other, how fast would those booking services like understand like when because you know they both booked on two different booking services so it's one of those things where like it's enough of a possibility that you're like huh i do wonder about the logistics of that situation where could that actually happen and you're like i'm sure it absolutely could happen but i wouldn't yeah i never would have thought about the details of that i would just mostly assume that you know, the people running these sites didn't input the information correctly. And so that's how stuff like that happens. I never even thought about like the milliseconds thing, because how how likely is that? I would much I would just readily assume that some management company were morons and, you know, sure. didn't check the systems or whatever the heck they do. Yeah. And and I mean, ew. More than anything, you know, my suggestion is not that like, 
you know, sure, maybe milliseconds, but also it could have been minutes within each other. And all it takes is someone not filling out a form fast enough, you Mm -hmm. know, like actually because, you know, these are secondary booking services. They are not the actual booker. Right. And so it's like, oh, yeah, let me go click on this website. Let me choose that date up lunch break. Okay. And then 30 minutes later, I come back and I keep filling out this form and I'm like, okay, booked. Meanwhile, someone else has already fucking booked that thing. And you know, it's just one of those things. So yeah, I I totally see like that's, that's a very easy thing. Uh, Jake, one of the things that I enjoyed about the, the cop sequence in particular is I believe she's left her keys inside. Um, and yes, yeah, she, she left her keys to the front door or to the house and to her car inside. And so when she starts talking to them and telling them like, yes, you know, blah, 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 she can't even get into the front door. And I don't even think she can get into her vehicle. And so it's one of those situations where like a lot of her credibility is starting to falter. She already looks crazy. She already is disheveled. She's already looks, you know, all of these things that are kind of, they're just checking the boxes. And then when she's like, Oh yeah, like there's a creature inside and they're like, huh? Like what? And then she's like, yeah, like break down the door. Like we got to go in there and help them. And they're like, we're not, look at this house. We're not breaking this house's door down. Like, no. And so there's just so many things that I think are fairly smart that are happening that kind of layer on top of each other here. Yeah. And I think also when, when Frank is finally found out, uh, he's in his bed and AJ's down there and realizes that he's been living this bizarre life with a random Hawaii backdrop on the wall. And (laughs) he, he does have this moment where when AJ says, I'm going to call the cops or the cops are coming. And he, that, that's the reason he he's finally given up. He realizes that it's over. And uh, in this case, the cops come for Tess and she can't, it, she realizes that they're not going to help at all. So it's this interesting way of thinking about it from a male perspective. He thinks the cops are coming. It's over for him. Uh, she mm-hmm. sees the cops coming and it's not over for her. <laughs> and it, it's an interesting kind of uh, opposition there that I think is, is, is kind of, again, maybe also explains the generational shift because he hasn't been out of this house in this tunnel for 40 some years at least. But there is uh, a, still a, a growing sense that there, there are many different ways that authorities are treating people <laughs> in this movie. Do you think that this film will garner a sequel because I can, or, or just a second film in a franchise, because I can see Kreger leaving out a lot of the details of the history of this house to turn it into a, a prequel or um, even a, an X type situation where we get deeper and deeper into the, into the history of this horror house. I, like, it, it, I think it, it's one of those things where it's like, I think that it it's like, you know, the shark in Jaws is like, Oh, I don't want to show too much. We don't want to over explain. And it's like, you know, but then they did. <laughs> right. But then like you get the gaps and stuff and you're like, you know, there's room in there. Like if we really want to do, we could wiggle in there. And so it's like, Oh yeah, we could like follow through the decades and like what happened in this neighborhood. And then like, yeah, suddenly you get Barbarian for the secret of Frank's grandfather's gold or whatever. 
I think I think he wrote this in a very. Sh- I was listening to an interview with him, which actually uh, was done on the Ringer um, on the Big Picture podcast, and uh, he was talking about how quickly he actually wrote this. Um, he did have, <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't I don't think he left anything out. I think I think this is one of those classic films where everything that he he could write he probably filmed and then it's on the screen and maybe he chopped it down because um, I can definitely see a two two and a half hour version of this movie really easy um, but from my understanding he kind of got to a point where he was writing into a lot of those tropes and trying to switch the film and one of the things was to just all right, let me just break away and go to this Justin Long character. And that kind of opened up the film. And I think a producer at one point mentioned to him, oh, yeah, you should you should give like a little background. And he he was also stuck at that time. And he just went ahead and OK, yeah, let's let's figure let's tell this story about this house, you know, the, the caretaker and stuff like that. Um, God, I feel bad calling him a caretaker but yeah um you know it's it's one of those things so i think i think this is a classic example of everything that he had in terms of ideas is probably on the screen so i don't think i mean yeah but it doesn't mean that he won't try to you know milk the cow so so it was really interesting for me to watch this film right after having seen armageddon time so yesterday i had a screening i saw armageddon time um which is well, I'll explain why. And then I came home and I watched Barbarian. And they're both films um, set, I think, just as the be- just at the beginning of the Reagan era. And they're both films, obviously very different. I don't know if anybody is familiar with Armageddon Time, but it's like a straight up coming of age memoiristic drama. Yeah. Um, and, and we may end up talking about it on the podcast. I'm not sure. But but they're they're both set in this era that is, I think. I think the the purpose of these films in some way is to shed light on our on the culture of having lived through through Trump and basically what is it you know what does the Reagan era and its and its uh relationship to racism and and class and neighborhoods and upward mobility and all that kind of stuff and how does that relate to the the time that we are living in now. Um, so they're very, very different movies, but they, some, for some reason or somehow end up hitting these similar motifs. Um, so that would kind of make an interesting double feature if I was ever uh, <laughs> curating a program. Um, and Jake, it sounds like you've seen our Armageddon time. Yeah. That, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. And yeah, I like the idea of, I, I think a lot of people, uh, like to talk about uh, how does Reaganism, you know, impact movie making? I think that's been like a big, almost mm-hmm. trope of conversation with with the film bros, right? To just like, well, this movie was made during the Reagan era, <laughs> and uh, but it's interesting when you make a movie that uh, reflects on the Reagan era mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to being made within it. But I also think too, you know, you're talking about the Trump era. And yeah. there's there's also something here, too, with just um, not even necessarily being a Me Too movie, but just being a, uh, I, I guess, what would you call it? The something, the, the sharing economy, right? The mm-hmm. uh, Ubering and uh, Airbnb. The gigs, the... The gig economy. And not 
really the own nothing economy. Yes, right. Not having the sense of ownership at all and and trusting strangers, right, to give you permission to enter their homes, to enter their cars. And there have been, I think, some other movies like that. I know Dave Franco had a movie called The Rental a couple of years ago. That's a horror movie that had a, a similar vibe. It was more uh, for friends to kind of living together, uh, more of a thriller. But there's, there is that uh, similar sense of uh, not just what, what happens kind of thematically and, and from a social perspective, but uh, the idea of, of kind of where the economy is and how that impacts <laughs> how people live their lives and trust other people. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I don't know. I mean, because the, the movie doesn't really delve into the idea of white flight, but the, the, obviously everything's all really baked in, right? Like we, we know the history of Detroit. We've seen the rise of Michigan horror it, you know, within the last 10 years, um, I mean, it's, it follows or, um, oh my God, what was the name of that movie? Not Afterbirth. Uh, what was the name of that movie? Well, anyway, there, I mean, there are other films in this genre that have, that have done a deep dive into Detroit. And, and actually that's why, um, that reminds me. So did anybody else think that, uh, Skarsgård's revealing that he was part of an arts collective did it make you think that there was something about the house that wasn't real like for for a while i thought that maybe this was some kind of installation that he did like like so that she could help her get in a job right like oh i'm just gonna like basically do the giant art art project like sleep no more or meow wolf you know, this immersive <laughs> thing. And then that was going to be the twist was that it wasn't real. Or something. So I had, I had an idea once that I think I probably got in, in a situation like this where I was watching a movie and trying to get ahead of it. And instead I ended up coming up with a different idea, but you know how like a pitcher plant will entice a fly deeper into itself by like showing, like basically being like, come in here, there's delicious rotting meat. And I, <laughs> I had an idea of like, what if a house did that and tried to keep you inside so it could consume you. Like it, it needs mm-hmm. you to, to live your life and die in it and never leave it. And actually now, now that isn't that the that, concept of smart house, the Disney channel original film. Yeah. But like, she was like uh, a crazy mom. Hey, another crazy mom. Um, mm-hmm. And she just like, really was like, you know, uh, that was Peg Bundy, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, no, I'm thinking more like, um, like the house will give you whatever it feels you need in order to stay so that it can eat you like a Venus flytrap. And I thought that's what was happening here. I thought it was like, Oh, stay. There's like this, like, you know, vaguely attractive cute guy. Boy. Who seems to like, you know, be, I don't know that I even call him cute. He's got a weirdness to him. No, like, he's you know, very cute. Well, you love the tall skinny. Daddy Pennywise. <laughs> and so cool. I was like, Oh, so like maybe, maybe that it, like there was no one there. And she was going to leave. And then the house was like, "Uh oh, we got to like throw some stuff out. So let's just flip the light on. Let's have a guy open it. He will constantly adjust and morph in order to become what she needs. And then she's going to stay forever. And then. It's like an evil room of requirement. Yeah. It's like the holodeck, you know, just constantly being like, what do you need to stay? Like, I need you here to give me purpose. Like, don't leave. Never leave. Um, So, yeah, I did have that feeling, but it was not true. (laughs) I know. I, I I kind of wonder if this is the kind of movie designed with designed to initiate or instigate 
a million different types of, uh, oh my God, not decoys. What's I I'm losing my mind today. I cannot think of words where written or imitations. No, it's, it's like a, where it, oh my God, what is wrong with me? Where like you a deep have, dive? No. Um, it's the word where you, you think something's going to go in one direction, but it's actually going to, it's, it's like trying to trick you. It's like a fish. A red herring? A red herring. It's Jesus like Christ. A, I thought you were, I, for a second, I thought you meant like the primrose path or something, but you. No, I'm sorry. I, that was a complete just brain melt. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I think this, I wonder if this movie is, is designed to just go into all sorts of, is, is to like spark all these crazy red herrings on purpose. Well, yeah, that's like what I was saying, where the movie is very aware that you walk in knowing it's a horror movie. And so it's like, eh, I'm going to trick you. I'm going to do a bunch of stuff. Like, who knows? But, is it, but I guess my question evil. is, is it supposed to go in so many different just bonkers directions? Like, do you think Kreger wants you to think that this is an immersive art collective. I don't know that he horrors. had that in mind. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I that's, I, that's too much. That test? might be a Robin original. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty fucking out there. Well, that's, I wasn't thinking about it like that, but I, I did understand that they shot a lot of that uh, housing project in Bulgaria, which gives it this very, out of body, out of context, out of whatever uh, vibe to it, right? You don't really feel like you're in a real place. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. The, the uh, neighborhood shots were actually in Brightmore in, oh, in Detroit. Were. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the film itself was shot in, uh, in uh, Bulgaria, though. Oh wow! So, okay. so I mean, it, it's 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 a fairly common thing where they will they will find a prop house. They'll you know, and and that may be Jake. Why you're like the internals of this house don't make any sense because it <laughs> it's probably not a real house. It's probably just two different set pieces and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and thank so, you, thank you for justifying my. I'm going to once again say that I'm pretty sure that the internals of the house are fine but you no know. they're the scale is off i mean those houses look utterly tiny and then when you actually see the interior shot they're extremely long yeah, yeah but i think <laughs> it's just a deep house it could be i don't know i don't think i don't think we're gonna that's the name of anybody. your movie it's deep called house? deep house okay <laughs> like uh I, but not that, to be confused so with the music genre Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't want people to come to my movie expecting glow sticks and ecstasy. Um, was, um, the, the, for whatever reason, every time I hear house music, I also think of um, speaking of no, no Armageddon time. Wasn't to, Armageddon time is by the guy who did beginners. Is that right? No, Mike James Gray. Oh, never mind. Oh, I'm thinking of, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why my brain went there. But in in beginners, of certain women. Or no, no, I'm thinking of what's the what's the one that we talked about? Come on, come on. For whatever reason, I oh. conflated "Come on, come on" and Armageddon time together. Don't ask me why. Um, but in 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 beginners, there's that point where Christopher Plummer's like, you know, oh Oliver, like there's this incredibly loud music. It was just, uh, 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 and he's like, that's, that's house music, Dad. He's like, oh, let me write that down. House. Yeah music it's the cutest <laughs> fucking thing on earth that movie's so good oh that movie is like one of my favorite movies of all time and every time i see another mike mills movie i'm like this is not beginners 
<laughs> I feel very bad that I feel that way about all of his movies. Oh boy. Anyway, I did not realize Brightmore was a real neighborhood. I'm looking at its Wikipedia section now. Yeah, it's. it's I was surprised it was real good. only because it's pretty bold for them to have a scene where somebody's like, you shouldn't be there about a place where maybe some real people do squat. So they're like, oh, I'm, I'm oh yeah. Brightmore like painted with a map of the neighborhood, a community free library can be seen in the yard. So like, clearly there's, I don't it's know. Been, it's been, it's been cleaned back up. It's getting like, like slightly reclaimed. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, at one point there was like, yeah, if, if you keep reading this Wikipedia article, it is, it's, pretty bad like this this neighborhood specifically has a reputation as a bad neighborhood in uh the city area and it was definitely set up as uh one of those uh tracked homes um, is Blightmore. <laughs> yeah like this this place has newspaper articles written about it and stuff like that like uh yeah between 1990 and 2020 its population declined by over 50 (laughs) percent yeah and uh, unfortunately like that's that's detroit just in general um especially when a lot of the manufacturers pulled out um the auto manufacturers beat off of baltimore Excellent. Um, but yeah, yeah. Detroit's Detroit's sad. Um, it's a sad place. I, I went there for a press, uh, thing and, uh, they drove us from the hotel. Uh, they bust us from the hotel to the set and it was like nice deep downtown Detroit, like beautiful area. And then like five minutes drive all of a sudden it was just like whoa these neighborhoods look really rough and then like five minutes later you were at set and you're like okay um i'm, I'm glad y'all drove us there because uh i'm glad i didn't have to navigate that situation um yeah it's it's a very sad city right now and you know it, it's funny because I met someone, uh, the the owner of the restaurant called Slow's Barbecue in in Detroit, and he's he's very much a what is his name Jake in this film, um, he or Keith. He's very much one of those kind of guys that's like really loves his city and is trying to like win it back over and like rehabilitate it and stuff like that. And you're just like, Oh, okay. So that's not too far off of, of the Keith character in this. Perhaps coincidental that, uh, eight mile has its 20th anniversary in, in a couple of weeks. That's <laughs> wild. Why, God, would you, we're old. why would you, why, why would you say that? That's, so, that's such a mean thing to say. <laughs> We were in ninth um, grade 20 years ago. Sure. I don't know what ninth grade is. Ninth grade is like ninth grade's like 14 ish, 14, 15. So yeah. yeah I, uh, I, ninth I, grade was 13, 14 for me. Oh, well, look at you. I I I had this realization a, a couple of weeks ago, or not a couple of weeks ago, but I, 
a couple of years ago and I was talking with my friend about college football and I was telling him, you know, you've gotten old when you look at the college football players and you start referring to them as kids and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, fuck. I was 18 once. (laughs) <laughs> and now I am not. And now all I can do is just look at these these grown humans and go, you're a child. Much and- like Nick Miller, <laughs> I feel like I finally aged into my personality because I was 100% the freshman who was calling a senior like quarterback a kid. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you were fun at parties. I was. Fu- oh, I'm sorry, Robin. Have we not talked about how drunk I was? Yeah. Yeah, I was fucking awesome at parties, Robin. I was the best at parties. Yeah. You like that... drunk people. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> at a state school, what do you think happens at parties? What are your parties like, Robin? Um, well, we started playing this game called Stet. Have you ever heard of it? No, please go on. Uh, the game is you flip cards and then you try to best everyone in correctly editing the grammar of the sentence on the card. That's not true. That is 100% true. Look wow. it up. That sounds That's fun. That worst. sounds fun. I say this as a professional editor and lover of the English language. I would have taken my own life in your bathroom if I showed up to a party and you said, we're going to play Stet. I loved it. It's so much fun. No, if I walked into a friend's place for a party and they had glasses that were made of glass, I would leave. because it's red solo cups or paper wax dixie cups or straight from the bottle or nothing (laughs) anyway um so yes uh robin's parties sound like a nightmare my parties are fun did people enjoyed that i would not not have been friends in college i just no i don't think we are you friends now yeah (laughs) Yeah, we like. Yes, we like. I've met Robin in person once. Yes, I went to his (laughs) distillery. Yeah. Does that mean everybody that's gone to your distillery is your friend? Where everybody knows your name. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, Brian and I, we get each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we vibe. All right. Anyway, I think we're done. Ending the episode with me and Robin (laughs) affirming our friendship. And then one of us walks into a basement and tries to convince the other to join us. Uh, Here's a question, Robin. See if if I came up to you and screamed, Robin, there's a thing in the basement, and there's a there's a room with a there's a bed and a camera, and there's I would say let's get you to the hospital, honey. Okay, but you wouldn't say I just want to go see it. Just stay up here while I go see it. I just like I'm not not that I don't believe you. I just think it maybe it's different than what you think it is. I would be like, we're hightailing it out of here so we can, like, get you sectioned. That is the okay. See, but that's still a better answer than 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 what's his face is answer answer, Keith's answer answer. Why do we keep saying answer? <laughs> He's not a fucking answer. <laughs> can I leave a parting question? I, I it, it it's it's very superfluous, but the uh, idea that this movie came out, I guess maybe a month and a half or so after Nope, after Jordan Peele, uh. Did you find the quote when she says "nope" as <laughs> she looks at the door? I, I think that was a coincidence. I think that. Uh, was oh, oh yeah, for sure. But I wondered if it's like if if "nope" the movie actually undercut her "nope" a little bit. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know because it was just me and I laughed. 
So I don't know. Yeah, it it worked in the theater for me, My and then it worked to you is nope. <laughs> yeah, nice. I don't know if it undercut it, but it definitely made me think of the movie, the uh, other movie. Yeah, but I mean, th- like me screaming at the screen, "Get out!" also made me think of "Get Out," and I think that from a marketing standpoint, that's the genius of Jordan Peele is he has been in a theater and he has heard people scream things at the screen and he's just like, I'm gonna just name all my movies after those things that people scream at the screen during horror movies so that anytime I mean, someone watches a movie and says that they have to think of me. It doesn't even have to be at a movie. It can be to a trailer. I remember seeing uh, a trailer for, uh, I think it was Smile, actually. And after the trailer, someone immediately yelled out, nope. (laughs) And it was just like, oh, okay. Well, that person has no interest. Yeah. Someone has no interest in seeing that movie. Um, What are other things that people shout? No. I was going to say the sad part is she says nope and still and then goes, still goes again right, and then she fucking goes there unlike <laughs> unlike and against Daniel her better in nope who does try to nope out mm-hmm. um what are what are things people scream at screen it's like get out nope kill him oh hell no hit him again <laughs> hit him again double tap yeah he's not dead yet Oh, you're kidding me. Don't go in there. In the corner. Don't go in there. In the corner. Turn off your phone. Turn on the fucking lights. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of everything that I've ever, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I'm trying to, I can't, All right, I can't, let's wrap it up. A lot of the times when I go and see movies like this and people are talking around me, they're speaking Spanish. And so, yeah. Oh, Brian. I live in a very diverse area. I'm trying to think of what there was the family next to me when I saw Sicario Day Day of the Soldado. Is that it? Arise of the Soldado? No, I think it's Day. Okay. <laughs> is it just I I don't know. Sicario. Yeah, it is Day of the Soldado. Okay. Um, and they were talking a lot during that movie, and it was clear that they fucking loved it. And I was never more upset that my family or my grandfather, I guess I should say, turned his back on his Mexican heritage. Because I would have given anything to know what this family, with their like husband and wife and three small children, were all saying to each other during Sicario Day of the Soldado. Why did we come to this movie? The first one sucked. No, they fucking again. They loved oh, it. The they first cheered. They great. clapped. The first I hate one was Sicario. Incredible. Robin is a terrible human being. This is gonna kill our friendship. <laughs> um, hated so- blonde. Hated Sicario. But I uh, love the beginners. What was the what was the movie that we asked? Will this be our blonde or will this be our Elvis? Oh. It's like one we're talking about soon, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's called like Desolation or Decision to Leave. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious about that one. <laughs> that's a uh... Anyway. Um so that's it. Uh any final thoughts, Jake, before we wrap up? I just want to say that AJ Gilbride is a bad person and not a, <laughs> not a good person that did a bad thing. I I agree. And I'm glad that you had the courage to say that. Um, that's very brave. <laughs> On behalf of all women. Thank you for standing ally. up for us. I'm, I'm an ally. Yes. <laughs> Again, there is never, and, and ladies out there, remember there is never a redder or flaggier flag than a man who calls himself an ally or claims to be a feminist. Or a guy who or... calls women ladies. 
or waits until you come back into the room to open the bottle of wine in front of you and <laughs> lets you know that he waited just for that is, specific so, purpose. Just so he could tell her. Let's put Robin yeah. on the spot now. Is it yes. easier for a guy to, 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 okay, here's, there's three options. Mm-hmm. One is <laughs> you walk into a room and a guy is drinking a bottle of wine and he asks if you want some. Second option he is waiting with two glasses and staggeringly attempts to explain why he didn't open it yet. Number Third two, option. for sure. That's, Get me the fuck out of here. I, I was going to ask, which is preferable. Why are you, why is it even in your mind that I might think you would be roofing me? Is right. it because you really want to roofie me? So the other option would be what I think I would probably do, which is open the bottle of wine as you're entering the room and ask if you want some. Exactly. <laughs> That's is. what I mean. There's it's just full of insane red herrings. Yes, I agree. But I, you know, there's I, there is a yeah. certain kind again, there's a certain kind of nice guy mindset where it's like, I'm gonna really, really go out of my way to prove my allyship bona fides. And this girl is gonna be so impressed with how much I've thought about her discomfort. That she's gonna bone me in reward. Yeah, man. If if you if a guy teaches you how to put a duvet cover on a duvet. And you don't bone him down. You're a bad person. Though I will say that- You know what? I did learn how to put the cover of the duvet on. It did, however, uh, stress me out that they did not tie the corner ties of the duvet and the duvet cover. Because I'm like, if she tosses and turns, that motherfucker is sliding to the end of the bed and she is going to be cold. It's just such a different method than how I do it. I literally crawl inside of the bed- inside of the duvet and I pull the duvet filling. This this sounds this that's sounds like a good a good weird. method. That's no. <laughs> what you do is you turn the duvet cover inside out. You tie the strings of the 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 deep end of the duvet cover to the duvet and then you just reach in, grab the corners and then pull and it's it's done. And you don't have to crawl inside of it or become a ghost or shake God. It is like entering another dimension when I go inside of the It's bedding. like being swallowed by the sky <laughs> kite in Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Rob and I do the same thing. I fully agree. Thank you. What the fuck is wrong with you people? It's like Narnia. <laughs> like, where am I? Is this like some weird deep-seated rebirthing thing that you people feel like you need to do every now and then? I don't know. I, I was not a vaginal birth, so maybe. Oh, that ex- I was about to say that explains so much, but I don't even I know. I am not a woman that. born of woman. <laughs> yeah, you you would be able to kill Macbeth and exactly. the, the, the Nazgul, the Night King, or the whatever, the Witch King. Robin's oh, just out there taking care of all the prophetic murders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway. Oh God! Let's uh, let's uh, let's let's get the fuck out of here. Let's do the thing. Uh, don't forget to go to Patreon.com/slash/FilmStage to give us your money. Don't forget to go to MUBI.com/slash/FilmStage for a free 30-day trial subscription to movie. And uh, I think that's it. Um, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next time? Decision to leave. Excellent. All right. And uh, let's uh, tell the fine people where you can be found between now and the next time. So let's start with our guest. Jake, where can people find your work online? Oh, they can search on Google my name if you can spell correctly. Uh, I'll I'll let the show notes take care of that. 
And, I feel um, like you're saying that because you can't even spell it correctly. <laughs> uh, my keyboard has worn out certain keys for sure. Um, I just imagine uh, you in your head being like, oh, fuck, is it EI or IE? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, about three decades worth of doing this has gotten me pretty good. But uh, I, I can be found on uh, the ringer.com, uh, some articles on GQ, uh, Film Stage, as I mentioned. Uh, so follow me there. I'm also on Twitter at JakeKS19. Excellent. No lie. I uh, advocated for my daughter's name against almost every name that my, uh, at the time, wife put up because all of her names were deeply fucking difficult to spell. Like what? Like she wanted to name her like Cassiopeia or fucking Persephone. And I was like, I'm sorry. No, we're not fucking (laughs) doing that. So you give her four letters. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I feel like between three to five letters is the perfect amount of names or perfect amount of letters for a first name. Hmm. I'm looking I'm looking right. at the screen right now. I'm seeing a lot of four letter names. Jake, Bill, and then there's Robin and Well, my, I mean my name's not Bill. Yeah, but, but you don't go yeah. by Will. You want <laughs> yeah, you're Billy life if you if I called you William. <laughs> So, what about Will I Am? Yes, that's precisely. <laughs> uh, that's why he doesn't want it. he doesn't want to blow up his spot and let everyone know that he's Will I Am. Anyway, mm-hmm. speaking of Will I Am, Billiam, where can people find your stuff online? Uh, not at uh Willstagram, but at Billstagram on Instagram, and uh, you can follow me along on the Slack channel as well. Um, I'm fairly active there, although uh, it is hilarious how much uh, Seaver gets dogpiled on for uh, his love of A24, <laughs> which I will I will continue to say as A24. Fuck you guys. I can never remember which is the right way, so it changes day to day. Luckily, I spell it more than I say it, so. Yeah. All right, Robin Barr, where can people find you online? Sure. Um, I tweet sometimes at Robin Barr, R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Um, my letterbox is under the same name. Uh, and I did get into another discussion this week with somebody who was like, you rate out of four stars. I'm like, yes, I grew up on the New York Post. That's where I learned criticism. I can never undo the four star method. It is just a part of who I am now. It's in my soul. I find it weird that you just can't adapt. I just can't. I can't. It's just my brain has worked the same way since I was 13 years old. And that's just how it is. Um, And you can also sometimes find my writing at the Hollywood reporter. All right. Excellent. As for myself, you can find uh, me on all the social media sites that I frequent at Brian J. Rowan, my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. And of course, you can go to SchmidtSpirits.com or InkwellWhiskey.com to learn more about my whiskey and my distillery. And uh, don't forget to go to TheFilmStage.com to find writing from us as well as every episode of this here podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. Yeah.